They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. So, uh, welcome to the first episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Um, as you guys might know, I'm Chippa, Chris Chipman. I'm here with Fred Neal, a colleague and great friend, um, and my wife Sarah. And Fred's got some interesting stories to share with you guys about his time in college and, uh, and what he's done. So I figured um, for those of you that are listening to this for the first time, which would be all of you, um, the idea of this show is uh, kind of in the form of all the other podcasts I've been doing, um, where we just kind of do you know long-form, fun conversation about some topic, but instead of it being something specific like Blockbuster or movies and geek culture or raising our kids, it's something new each episode. Um, so I had the um, good graces of working with Fred and getting to know him, and uh, apparently his... <laughs> Background is even more messed up than even I know, and uh, I've recently heard some of these stories, and my wife really hasn't, so it's going to be interesting. Hi. So yeah, Sarah, make sure they know you're here too. I'm here. It's hard <laughs> to get a word in edgewise with Christopher, but I try. Exactly. So uh, with that, I'm um, Fred. And Jake's here too. And Jake's here too. I'm holding. I'm holding baby Jake. Hey Jake. So uh, Fred, introduce yourselves. Uh, yourselves. <laughs> yourself. And remember that you are allowed to change any names to protect the um, the innocent, but or guilty. Know, not Tucker Max, because fuck that guy. Or guilty. <laughs> he's guilty. So oh he's man, Tucker. Himself. Yeah, that's a whole. Other that's story. a whole other story. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I hadn't thought about that in a while. Um, okay, so I'm Fred. Um, I. Uh, I went to University of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, Fred right. is here today. We've got children, and Fred is here today. Hooray! Woo! So yeah, no, I I uh, I know Chris because Chris and I worked at DTI together uh, on a whole bunch of crazy high voltage, uh, high power projects. Fred is one of the few people that trusts me to actually be a good engineer. Yeah, <laughs> sad but true. Uh, I believe you to be it, a good engineer. Does that count? Well, knowing is. Half the belief. Uh-huh. Something like that. The more you know. Yeah. Oh, also, shameless plug to start. We're drinking ectoplasm well, by I, Far From the Tree Cider. And, and Fred I'm is drinking, drinking Loma Brewing Company's Greek God of Hops double IPA. Which I'm is, stuck in the summer, and I'm drinking UFO pineapple. Nice. This ectoplasm is bright green to the point it looks like Shrek's piss, as they'd call it in, uh, what was it, role models? And <laughs> and it t- tastes surprisingly... Uh, Better than Shrek's piss. Well, I wouldn't know, but yeah, yeah. It's um bell pepper, jalapeno, and kiwi cider. And super electric green. It looks like drain cleaner. And uh, I accused Chris of trying to poison me earlier. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's just... Very electric looking. Wookie, wookie, wookie. Yeah. <laughs> Side fact, Shrek was the first movie Chris and I ever saw together. It's Whoa. electric. Pop-up video fact. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> so, Fred, so, so Fred is 17 years room. old, female, single. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> that's my next podcast, Tinderverse. S-A-L? <laughs> Chatterbait.com. Chris, S-A-L. S-A-L. Sex. <laughs> right. sex location. All right. So I was English as a second language. A- right? Oh. Well, A slash S slash I always signed up for a class in college, but it was not what I thought. Oh, DVDA? <laughs> okay. What is well, that? Well, that would be um, double. Mm. Mm, double. Mm. Indeed. 
It's the highest pay of pornography Why can't you just say it? Double vaginal, double anal. I'm holding my son. It just seems weird. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. Two and two. (laughs) Two and two. One would just fall out at that point. Oh, no. They're very stackable. Fall out. If you're big enough to fit two at once. (laughs) No, no. No, it sounds like this. See? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, snap. Okay. So, this is already the funnest podcast I've done. <laughs> I know, right? So, he says that about every podcast. Shut up. That's what she's she, supposed to feel special. I'm <laughs> the only one. Chris Chris makes me feel special. <laughs> Alright, so so the uh, the way that oh, but I'm, oh snap. That's not fair. Wife comment. I'm just kidding. So he makes me feel valued. Aw. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to so, refer to you as Dredderick Tatum for the rest of this. So, so the reason that that Chris wanted me to talk, you know, on this podcast was because I have uh, a relatively fun college story that not a lot of people have heard, and and it's actually going to be in a book in uh, the in in the springtime. So that's kind of cool. But and I helped edit it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's shake and bake, um, and I helped. <laughs> nice, it's <laughs> good. Uh, in let me see, in 2010 or 2012, uh, Popular Science Magazine voted it to be the number three greatest college prank of all time. Oh yeah, we need to preempt that by we're huge nerds. Yeah, I know you guys listening to yeah. this probably surprise, know that already. Surprise. But this isn't like one of those. Well, it probably didn't involve drinking. But this isn't one of those. You know, oh man, I got drunk and you know pushed a car off the roof of the quad kind of stories. Well, um, that that was the year before. Sh- but yeah, yes, yeah. So so basically, I mean, Fred, you were on an episode of Stephen Hawking's World. Stephen Hawking's universe. Universe. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Which is awesome. True. Look it up. I, I do actually have IMDb credit for that. Like, I am in there for that Were you nonsense. like 12? <laughs> I, was, I was 19. No, I don't. Uh, 19, yes, 19. Um, yeah, so, so the deal is um, uh, I, I'm a gigantic nerd. Uh, like, like Chris, I uh, I'm actually a physicist by training, but I pretend in to by be, sexual preference. Indeed, I I pretend to be an electrical engineer professionally. I also pretend to be an electrical engineer. No, you pretend to be a mechanical engineer. Oh snap, wrench dragger! But I, um, but I'm also a client. <laughs> yeah, um, and so so you know I <laughs> I. I, uh, I all of my training is in physics, so I, I went to grad school, University of Michigan in physics, and uh, I went to undergrad at University of Chicago. Now, U of C, as it's known, is... In a well, octagon, I, right? The, yeah. The way, that, the way that most people introduce the University of Chicago to people who, who don't really understand how crazy it really is, they say, just like the t-shirt says... Where fun comes to die. And and it's true. It's like Hogwarts, except everybody's suffering because it's that bad. It's uh, Academically, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Jesus. And it's, it's, uh, I worked harder in undergrad than I ever did in grad school or in 
in my professional life. It, it's it's really tough, and that's fine, right? I, I signed up for that. I, I I dig that, right? I'm kind of that kind of a masochistic nerd, right? I get it. Like, I no, it's it. not working. I can't wait. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> it's like, yay! I can't wait to be buried under problem sets. Anyway, uh, I never fix them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so the. You know, the, the the undergraduate population is always really, really uh, beaten down uh, by work. And uh, they tend to figure out ways to blow off steam that are just as crazy as how much work you're doing. And so, like, yes, you're... 11 books deep in your lit class you haven't read any of them well as a result then you have the naked run to the you know whatever river you know you can imagine so uh, the one thing that always gets the press involved is the uh, scavenger hunt and the scavenger hunt at the University of Chicago has been going on since 1989 and it's uh, I was five years old it's it's a huge deal and the entire undergraduate population is involved that's amazing so what happens is the undergrads divide up into teams and there's usually well back in my day teams were as small as 20 people but they were more often like a few hundred people and and entire entire dorms would form one team, and so that might be as much as all, almost seven hundred and fifty people. And then you would have these weirdos who would form their own team. It's like twenty people. It's like, hey, we're the physicists. We're gonna you know conquer everybody. So usually, uh, the teams were like one dorm or one house within a dorm. And when I say house within a dorm, you should think uh, Harry Potter. So, or, or it, really it's an Oxford system. So basically you've got a whole building and that building is divided into houses and each house is something like 40 to, to 60 people basically. And you sit with those people at lunch and dinner and whatever, but they're sort of your automatic family, if you will. I'm using air quotes, and I know this is a podcast, but it's all yes, right. it's your automatic family, and you must like them. Yeah, exactly. Keep smiling. These are the people that you're gonna do everything with, and sometimes they'll be in your class, and that's helpful. Blah blah blah. Well, when it comes around to uh, scav hunt, um, if you're in a house that has a lot of uh, house pride then maybe, if you're really crazy, your house, just your house, will become a team in the scavenger hunt. And I should explain how ridiculous the scavenger hunt really is. The way this whole thing works is, since 1989, they've done it the same way every year, the Wednesday before Mother's Day, at midnight... A cabal of judges that have been secretive the entire year prior convene and invite the representatives from each team to assemble in an undisclosed location 
to get briefed on what the list is for this year. This is freaking awesome. And so at midnight, you get this list, and then you're supposed to take the list back to your team and, and go and do the stuff. So every year, there's always a, uh, there's always a, a road trip. Um, and the road trip, well, in my day, it was you couldn't go more than 2,000 miles away from the college. But, but mo- usually, that was what you did. You drove 2,000 miles away for the road trip, and there was things along the way that you were prescribed by the uh, by the list, and you had to take a picture of this or steal a napkin from this waitress at this crazy you know roadside bar and blah blah blah, all kinds of nonsense like that. Um, and the more elaborate the the question, the more points there yep. were, right? Yeah, you, like any scav hunt. And there were also like physical challenges i mean think double dare think uh that that's what we did we we had uh, always a little bit of a uh, scav olympics is what it was called but that's basically double dare level uh challenges but imagine drunk college students wearing thongs that's right. that's basically we uh, we did a, we did a low-key scavenger hunt within my group of friends that were all the straight edge kids yeah which it was the, they they were the best at coming up with the oh, most crazy shit, right? That's how it works. And um, my favorite was always convince someone in public to change clothes with you. Yeah. More points for you know how, how crazy you got. Yeah. We also had the uh, um, get the person at Carvel to write the dirtiest thing you can think of on a cake and still let you take it. Yeah. Um, one team did I slept with your wife. The manager came out and wouldn't let it leave, but let us take a picture with it. He said, I know that you guys are probably fucking around, but we're liable. That's fantastic. Um, we did Cherry No More Pop oh. for our friend Ray, who they said, oh, you know, he's been in a coma and he's finally getting out. So he's been in a coma since he was 15 and we're going to take him out for a good night on the town and, you know, make him a man. And they had to, so, so what's the cake need to say? And the, the poor girl, she was so into it and they go... Well, when you say cherry, and she goes, yeah, no, and then you go, more, and she goes, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and the worst ever, which we made ourselves. But yeah. the best. But the best because we gave it to a girl at a party, and her reaction was, yeah, and high-fived us, was happy fifth abortion. Oh, snap. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that it's not as yeah. good as your story, but that that's that's my, uh, yeah. ours were far less elaborate. Um so the, the the list that you get at midnight before Mother's Day usually has about 300 items. Love and, it. And uh, the items range from, you know, <coughs> let's, let's reenact a Quidditch match to uh, bring an elephant and perform a vasectomy on the elephant. I love it. Right? Did someone it, pull that off? Well, no, but... but Somebody did would... bring an elephant. I mean, you know, it's not that hard. You just have to go get the you know, elephant. Be nice at the zoo. <laughs> the hardest all... part is getting the elephant. And yeah, that's the right. Easy exactly. Part. Yeah, right. The rest of it's just you know. We've all seen the Hangover. Gloves and getting the scissors. Animals, right. You used a stuffed elephant, like a stuffed elephant or an elephant figure. Yeah, no, no, had to no be credit. Real... No credit. For, had to be a real elephant. Yeah. No credit for non-anthropomorphic yeah. elephants. But uh, but but usually they they had a lot of pedestrian items. In the sense that, like, a normal human can can make this happen, right? I mean, 
They had a lot of items that were not terribly crazy. Um, but every single year, there was always one item that was way over the top. In the sense that they scored it with a stupid number of points. There's no way you could possibly get it. And the difficulty was through the roof. Like, there's just no way possible that this could happen. Um, the uh, I, I, I'm actually, because it's been a number of years, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other crazy items like that were over the top. Such as elephant. Yeah, yeah, elephant's pretty yeah. goddamn over the top. Yeah, that's yeah. That to give you an idea, that's not the over the top thing. Um, yeah, Sarah, you have no idea. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> my my last year. So, Actually, so, so, listeners, you have you have no idea where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So so I I could preface this with saying like, um, uh, my first year, one of the crazy items was to build He's doing a, the air quotes again. I know I can't help it. One of the crazy items was to build a bridge across the Midway Plaisance. So the Midway Plaisance, so for those who have never been to University of Chicago. I know the Midway Plaisance. The, the Midway is, is a 10-block long uh, park that is remnant of the, uh, Chicago, uh, the, the World Exposition, which happened in Chicago in, I it's, guess, 1893. It's not small. It's big, right? And it's an entire block wide. So the, the, the item was build a bridge across a block. Literally. Uh, an entire block. And we read between the lines and said, well, a bridge you know, doesn't have to be something you drive a car over. You know, Maybe just one person can go across it. And so what me and, and my team did to solve this riddle was I got 500 feet worth of uh, static rope, tied it to a tree on one side, and then dragged it across to the other side, put a shackle on the near side, and then attached the other end to the bumper of my truck and drove until it was tight enough to suspend a person. And then... A person could just go hand over hand the entire length of the rope and, well, wow. technically that's a bridge. Yeah. And we got credit, right? That's the way this scavenger hunt works. You have creative solutions to stupid problems. Right, and it's the journey that's the, that's the interesting part. Exactly. Well, uh, so fast forward, uh, that was my first year. Uh, second and third year, I was less interested, didn't really do anything for the scav hunt. Um, but my fourth year, um, I was not really tuned into the scav hunt. I wasn't interested. It wasn't a proud part of my, you know, spring, you know, routine at this point. But, uh, the, the, the list dropped on a Wednesday and, um, I wasn't really paying attention. And Thursday morning, I wake up and go down to the, the dining hall. And there's this guy named Connor. And Connor, Connor's now a writer. He's, he's really uh, quite successful now. But Connor was practically pissing his pants at 7 a.m. 
and and he was saying Fred, 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 Fred. I'm not kidding. Fred, 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 Fred. What about the reactor? The, the who's a what's it? <laughs> reactor? Excuse me. What are you talking about? It's like you haven't seen the list. I'm like no, I haven't seen the list, Connor. Explain to me what you're talking about. And then Connor explains that apparently there's some sort of a nuclear reactor on the list. And it's the big crazy item this year. It's the one that's worth infinity points, basically. And uh, Connor thinks, because I am a physicist and my roommate at the time, also a physicist, like, we could probably pull this off. As far as Connor's concerned, you got and, this. And we're He's like, the best marketing person ever. Yeah, it's like, yeah, so what exactly. What does it take to build a nuclear reactor? Well, the, yes. So the 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 list item was, and I'm going to misquote this, but it, it was something along the lines of, um, build a breeder reactor. Like every good Boy Scout, you should get your Boy Scout credit, and and then it listed. If I remember, a correctly, link to the nuclear Boy Scout thing. No, right? there no. was no link. You, the, the, but you know what I mean, like a reference to it. They or didn't something. have the yeah. unit back in the dinosaurs. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. There was. I remember you writing. You it, were, there was a reference. To yeah, it. you were expected to go and read it. No, in a library, fuck that. In a real library. Anyway, the 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 way that worked was um, a reminder to everyone: Fred and I aren't that far apart in age either. Yeah, what makes this conversation that, that's right. hysterical. We're, we're talking about four years apart in age. We're talking 1999. Five. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I was a senior in college in 2002. Right, exactly. So, so in what? 90, no, 2006. He's a couple sorry. years older than Yeah, 2006. So in 99, like when somebody makes a a weird allusion to. Uh, Harper's article, well, you got to go to the stacks and you got to go dig that shit up, right? So uh, I'm like, okay, Connor, you know, you sound like you haven't slept in 48 hours. Let's 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 just like dial it back a notch and, and I'll go to the library and we'll check it out. So Brief, I went... Briefly explain to the masses what a breeder reactor is. Mm. You'll get I'm there? I'm getting there. Okay, cool. So I'm just the, making sure because... Yeah, so... so just, just so you all know, this is crazy. Yeah, it gets... Right? It gets... <laughs> like... It goes off the rails quickly. <laughs> so, so... A normal college would not let any child... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, but they're used to this shenanigans. Um, so, so the, the deal was, um, I, I went to the library and, and pulled the article from Harper's and... Apparently, sometime in the early 90s, a guy named David Hahn uh, got his atomic energy scout patch by doing a lot of research and assembling, essentially, a, uh, a, a near-complete uh, uh, periodic table, which included a lot of the radioactive elements. And that's like, crazy. Which is crazy. I mean, that's that's insane. But like any good Boy Scout, he uh, went a few steps further and uh, assembled, sort of in a very rudimentary sense, what he thought was a functioning nuclear reactor in his shed behind his house. And that was, you know, it, it was a kind of a cool project. Um, except the cops pulled him over sometime uh, a few months after he got his badge 
because he was looking super suspicious. Um, And it turned out that his trunk was full of all kinds of radioactive materials. So David got pulled over and he had all this radioactive material and the, the cops are like, oh, what do we do? Apparently the EPA got called in and... Uh, you can look this all up. Uh, it's all public record, but they ended up digging up most of his backyard and burying it out in Utah because he had such an enormous amount of radioactive material in his backyard that, like, it was a serious hazard to like his neighbors. I mean, it was really bad. So, um, fast forward, 1999. Uh, the item on the scavenger hunt list was to recreate this experiment but in a shed on the midway uh, you know make a breeder reactor just like David Hahn did well so like I said I, I went and did the research read read the articles and you know there's a big difference between like a nuclear reactor that can make enough energy to like power your house or your city and just demonstrating the physics behind it because right. the physics involved is not all that complicated really uh and in fact if you do physics as a as a major in college you will likely do the same experiment probably with copper and you'll make a copper isotope, and you'll see that the isotope, you know, decays and blah, blah, blah. And there you, you go. You've done it. But if instead of copper, you start with thorium, like you do in a breeder reactor, then the thorium turns into uranium. And, if and you, we all know what that is. Oh, if you wait a little <laughs> bit longer, that uranium turns into weapons-grade uranium. And then if you wait a little bit longer, it turns into weapons-grade plutonium. Okay, so... That sounds all scary and all, but but in reality, it's really no different from the undergraduate physics experiment that everybody's done. So, you know, big deal. And this was my mindset in 1999. I'm like, oh, well, if we've just demonstrate the physics, this isn't really we've done all it. that hard. I've already done it in undergrad lab, right? So I called up the judges. And I said, okay, I just need a clarification because I've read the list. I've read the items. Do we really need to have like a real reactor? Because this is like, that's pretty dangerous. What if we just demonstrate the physics steps that allow you to like claim it to be a breeder reactor? Or and So the reason people call it a breeder reactor is that you start with thorium you end with plutonium and then it uh, decays back to thorium. So you end up with a cycle where you start off with one fuel, you enrich it, it, it does its work, and then it decays back into the starting material. That's called the breeder cycle. Well, yep. so we, we said, look, if we can just demonstrate the breeder cycle, is that enough? And the, uh, the judges said, well, are you serious? I'm like, yes, we're serious. We can demonstrate the breeder cycle. Dude, we were high when we wrote that. Yeah. yeah. No, that is is literally the response we got. 
And we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, me and Justin, we said, yeah, of course, we can demonstrate the breeder cycle. It's not that hard. And so they're like, okay, but we're going to bring people to verify what you're talking about. I'm like, all right, whatever, it's fine. Sure, bring them. So Saturday rolls around, and uh, Justin and I start looking really carefully at the physics and uh, start doing some calculations. And the only things we really need are really just three things. One, we need a, uh, a source of high energy and high rate alpha particles. And then we need a source of uh, thorium. And then the, because that's the starting fuel for any breeder type reaction. And then the third thing we need is a sensitive enough detector to figure out that we're actually creating the nuclear reactions we think we're making. Or that we yeah, claim you, you we're don't, You don't want to go by taste on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Or smell, right? right. Or feels. So how's yeah. your skin feel right now? A little oh, toasty. It's not there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... So it, the, the way this all worked out was um, we, we, we got all the clarification from the judges. The judges are like, whatever you do, we're going to have somebody else grade it, but go to it. Uh... Justin and I went into the lab and uh, did some machining on some aluminum and we built this thing which held a source of uh, alpha particles, which was actually an old radium dial from uh, a World War II uh, fighter plane, uh, like crazy, crazy hot radioactive. Um, so just spitting huge amounts of radiation out. And then from there, you just have to so, sort of slow it down a little bit and then use copper, or sorry, carbon sheets for that. And then um, you essentially end up with neutrons and, and those neutrons interact with the thorium. And if you just wait long enough, some number of those neutrons are going to activate the thorium. And, and what that means is the thorium nucleus will absorb one of those neutrons and ratchet one up on the periodic table. This is how activation works. This is how a nuclear reaction works. So chemistry. You, well, nuclear chemistry. So you wait long enough, and eventually that happens. And when it does, it kicks off uh, a little bit of uh, gamma radiation, a little bit of photons. So you're the Incredible Hulk. Sadly, yes. So all we did was we just we had a detector that would very carefully look at the energy of the alpha of the gammas coming off, and then there are published tables that tell you exactly what's happening based on the energy of those gammas. So that's all we did. We just we just waited. We 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 assembled this thing and we just waited. How big was it? This was. About 18 inches long and four inches tall and four inches deep. So, you know. And you build a shed around it or did you no, like transport no, no, no. something? <laughs> oh, I missed a good part of the story. So, <laughs> so. This is why I'm a good host. Exactly. So, so the whole funny part of this story is Justin and I, we were both uh, physics undergrads. We shared a... Uh, about 2,000 square foot 
dorm room, the two of us. And uh, we had a door between my side and his side. And on Saturday morning when I convinced Justin, you know, we should really do this, he's like, all right, well, I don't really want it in my room because this is kind of radioactive. This doesn't seem like a good idea. And I said, well, I don't want it in my room either. So we literally flipped a coin, and Justin lost the toin, the coin toss. The coin toss. Yeah, he lost. And so we assembled it in his room. And he didn't <laughs> sleep in his room that night, actually. <laughs> and that's why Justin's funny, still with us, funny story. <laughs> no, he's got a kid now. The kid's totally normal. Everything's fine. Don't worry. But, um, but yeah, like he literally lost the coin toss, so we built it in his room. And uh, we set up a bunch of equipment. Now, when I said we needed a, a sensitive detector to figure out that we'd actually done the nuclear reactions we said we did, that's not the sort of thing you can pick up at Radio Shack, right? Uh, Don't tell Marcel that. Yeah. You, you, like, you, you can't fake that. So Just use a clamp-on, friend. But, 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 we really, but we already knew what we needed because we had done the same damned experiment as an undergrad. So we went to the uh, undergrad lab coordinator and said, Hey, listen, Van, um, is, it, is, is there any possible way that we could, like, borrow some equipment, like, for the weekend. For an experiment. For an experiment. And we were very particular. Like, we need the pulse height analyzer. We need the proportional tube. We need the high voltage power supply for the proportional tube. We need the front-end amplifier. And he's like, guys, this is this doesn't sound good. We're starting a band. Yeah. And so Van said... <laughs> very, very alternative rock. Yeah. So the lab coordinator van said, guys, you can borrow this, but if anybody comes knocking, I've never met you. I have video of the guys who stole it, and I'm pretty sure that it's you. So like, yeah. okay. I know exactly what you're doing, okay. and I don't like it. That sounds great, Van. Thanks. And he's like... Just don't break it. It's like, okay, no problem. We, so, we know how to not break it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we set it up in, in Justin's room, and uh, and sure enough, just like we expected, after eight or ten hours, we had a few thousand atoms of weapons-grade uranium. Which is just fucking insane. Well, like, no, you know what I mean? Just thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's not insane from a, it just makes sense. But it, Well, yeah, so, so the, the, the actual, of course, it's scary to say, oh my goodness, we had weapons-grade uranium in our, in our dorm room. Which you made. <laughs> which we made. Which is even cooler. But at the end of the day, we're talking 3,000 atoms. A gram of uranium is going to be 10 to the 18th atoms so we're like 10 to the minus 13th gram like like we're so far down like it's there's nothing there right but it's, it's super cool that you but did it's it. cool that we did it and we had legit proof proof so uh so when it came time to uh actually have the judging uh the the 
the judges from the scav hunt called us at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning and said, hey, are you guys ready? And Justin and I were like, who is this calling and what are you talking about? And, you know, they explained, oh, we're talking about the reactor stuff. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're ready. It's done. Are you ready? And they said, okay, we'll be there in 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, I don't, I, this is all very cloak and dagger. I have no idea what's going on. Well, 30 minutes later, uh, we get we have to buzz in a bunch of uh, random people to the dorm, and it turns out that one of them, one of the judges' dads, happened to be a nuclear engineer at, uh, I think, the Kansas City Reactor Facility. And so we, uh, we ended up hosting this legit nuclear engineer in our dorm room on a Sunday morning. And this poor guy, he comes in and he, he has no idea what he's getting his getting himself into. Uh, these kids are playing with things. Uh-huh. Exactly. He comes into our dorm room. He's like kicking beer cans and cigarette butts out of the way. And then he sits down and he sees our apparatus and he's like, oh boy. I forgot to put on my big boy pants. Like, uh-oh. So then we spend the next hour describing in great detail all of the uh, decay chains and the activity and all this other nonsense. And at the end, his, his face goes from, you know, oh my God, what am I doing? To, holy shit, these kids actually are doing what they say they're doing. And... And he's like, at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, tell me about your calibration again. Oh, this sounds really cool. And, and That's awesome. Yeah, like any good scientist, he's like, oh, this is really cool. You and just had to show him you were on the same playing field. Exactly. And and in the end, he's like, yeah, this is totally legit. You guys did. And, and at the end of uh, the experiment, we had something like 2,000 atoms of weapons-grade plutonium and, like, 8,000 atoms of weapons-grade uranium, which... You sold it to the Russians, not Hillary Clinton. Yeah, right? That's right. But but at the end of the day, like, we have legit proof. There's no There's going no against it. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, we actually made it. And, uh, and yeah, so, so after the judges had sort of gotten their handshake from the professional nuclear engineer... Uh, they said, all right, guys, just move your shit out to the, uh, shed out on the quad and we'll give you full credit. Well, that's what we did. We, we had a that's little the photo, right? If yeah, you guys were exactly, suits. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole other sub sub story where we, we ended up going to uh Fermilab, uh, and, and borrowing, borrowing some suits, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and then we went to a, a nice uh, liquor store to buy some really good champagne, and so you could uh, yeah inaugurificate it exactly. And we had borrowed a a little uh, gasoline generator so that we could have decent tunes in the shed. So Justin and I basically spent the whole day drinking champagne and. And watching yourselves make more weapons, great plutonium. Exactly. <laughs> uh, like all we did was watch the little Pete go 
What have you been doing higher. today? Oh, man, I got wasted and made weapons great plutonium. Exactly. What did you do? Exactly. We had awesome music and... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder that, you know, you're hearing this conversation. Both Fred and I are married and have children. Yeah. So there's hope for all of us. Yeah. What happened right. to this plutonium? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so... He drank it. Yeah. <laughs> Snorted. Um, no, what happened was... Uh, at the end, after we had uh, taken all of our final data uh, and the experiment was over, basically, um, I was already working at Fermilab. Uh, and so at Fermilab, if there's something that's radioactive that's uh, waste, well, you just throw it in one of the thousands of yellow 55-gallon drums that get buried out in the desert every month. So I just disposed of it appropriately. I bagged it, tagged it, and then put it in the drum, and that was that. So it just disintegrates underground or something? It decays over time, so they yeah. they, they bury it so it can't affect people. Yep. Oh, okay, basically. so it's not like littering or ruining the plant. No, no, they're, no. they're doing it legit. Like, yeah. that's the... But the it's still technically but littering. the decay doesn't hurt the planet, though. No, no, that's worse. why they're burying oh. it. And oh. I, and actually, the, the amusing argument there is... Um, well, that radioactive material, well, it came out of the ground It's in the naturally first place. occurring. So yeah. it's going back into the ground. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah, it's sitting in Utah somewhere now. So then you you guys got, like, was it national news? Was it local? Like, there was definitely yeah, so, interest, so, right? Probably more so than yeah, there was, just the college talking about it. Yeah, there. so every single year, uh, the UFC has some amount of national media presence for the scav hunt. Um, and in previous years, like um, the local NPR station would like devote an hour to it back in the day, um, which is, you know, kind of cool. And then one year uh, CNN did a few minutes about it. But in 1999, um, there wasn't really very much video. But that year, the New York Times came. That's awesome. So the New York Times came. And there were several sort of headlining cool things that were going on with the scav hunt. And one of them was was a keg toss. Yeah, just a legit keg toss, right? Nothing exciting about it. Those are awesome. Exactly. But, but it, you know, you, you would assume that everything that's uh, attached to the scav hunt has some sort of a nerd flair. But no, no. If it's a part of the Olympics, no. It's just a straight-up keg toss. So now this was... Your, your thing was part of your house, right? So you guys were doing... Or were you just a two-person team and decided you'd win it on your own? No. It's, it's, so the what way that worked... Connor kid? Yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. What did you do to Port yeah, Connor? So what happened to Your Connor? Your marketing exec. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the way that the way that all shook out was, I lived in uh, a certain house in a certain dorm. Let's call it Hufflepuff. Yeah, I lived in Burton Judson I'm dorm. Call real Slytherin. Slytherin. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm far too nefarious for that. Um, I, I lived in a, a house called Matthews for all four years and. Matthews was always a little bit of a uh, 
renegade dorm house in the sense that they never, ever, ever participated with anybody else on anything. They always went alone. Uh, so my first year, 1995, Matthews was their own team. So it was Matthews against everybody else. And that that year, that was 40 people against 3,000. And my last year, that was, you know, 47 people versus everybody else. And there were huge teams. Some of them, one of the, the biggest team was probably Breckenridge, I think. And I think there were like 900 people. Oh, so, shit. So it was me and my 40 other, 40 some other, other housemates versus 900 people. And the only way that a team that small can actually compete is, is that one is is if you one. do the Hail Mary. Yeah. Right? And the Hail Mary that year was the insane there's no way anybody's gonna do this. Let's build a nuclear reactor on the on the dorm quad. And Justin and I were like, fuck it, we can do this. Like this isn't that hard. And you did it. And we did. And and as soon as the scuttlebutt got around the university that we were going to do it, the points value of that one item got reduced immediately from like literally, I think if I remember right, it was like 11 factorial. That was, that was how they described it originally, which is, you know, like infinity points. And then after we said, Oh, we're going to do this. They changed it to 500 points. Well, that year, 1999, Matthew's house, we got second place. Holy shit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, against everybody else. How did you get second place when you did the Hail Mary? Because, because they reduced it to 500 points. Yeah. But still, that should have been the most points yeah, there, they, they, they did it items. to make it a competition. So yeah, there were forty. What did the first place team get? Well, they got they didn't. Do, nobody else did the hail mary, but they got everything else. Yeah. yeah. What did they win? Oh well. You, oh yeah. <laughs> good question. You don't actually win very much. Like there's there's a lot of glory, but there's not really any winnings. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, it's a college game. It's college, right? Yeah. Everybody you win clout. Everybody packs. You packs carry each that other on forever. Actually, that's probably that's on right. a, depending on where you're working. That's on a resume. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sadly, yes, that's true. But yeah, so that's uh, that's that's sort of the story. And what happened? That. Connor was in your house. Is that all it was? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Connor was a second year. I was a fourth year. Um, and Connor was extremely excitable. I mean, he's. He's a writer now. He's a very artsy guy. Um, but back in the day, he, like, he, adulthood calms all of us. But back in the day, he was bouncing off the walls. And and when he came to me at 7 a.m. on a Thursday, he was like, like his teeth are bleeding, kind of crazy, excited about this. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, what's the name of the book? Oh, God. Yeah, so the name of the book, I think, is... No, it is. Uh, we Made Uranium. It's, and 
the title comes from a small detail of the story that I mentioned. When Justin and I had proof uh, from the instruments that we had actually legit made uranium from stuff underneath my workbench in my dorm room, uh, we were understandably excited. So we, well, it was three in the morning um, on a Saturday. As all the best things happened. Yeah. And so we started running up and down the hallways of the fourth floor, screaming, we made uranium. And, uh, you know, at this point in the year, this is spring, uh, they, pretty much everybody in our house, they had come to expect this kind of nonsense <laughs> from me and Justin because, you know, college uh, and science so so yeah that's that yeah that was pretty much par for the course but but when you scream something like we made uranium people listen more than you know oh justin's electrocuted or you know fred's on fire things like that like i drank that, the whole thing exactly <laughs> right people ignore that but when you say we made uranium then yeah people listen and uh, that's actually the We're title of the die. book. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's what comes next. <laughs> pretty much, that's that's the title of the book. Is we made uranium. And so, where are people going to be able to get this thing? Is this going to be legit? Um... Yeah, it's part of uh, University of Chicago Press. It should be available on Amazon and local booksellers in March. Can't wait. Yeah, I March. want one. Yeah, I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna buy one. I think it's freaking awesome. Yeah. So is it only about your story? Or no. Is it, so so because like is I it kind of like under the subheader of and the scav hunt of 1999? No, it's 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 actually a lot more broad than that. Um, so like I said, the scav hunt's been going on since 1989, and my story is kind of cool, and it's got all kinds of crazy stuff going on with physics, and actually the FBI got involved at one point, like. It's a really long story, but um, that's just one story, right? And the whole history of the scav hunt is as insane as you can imagine. Um, there have been two movies, feature-length movies, made about the UFC scav hunt really? already. Yeah. Well, do, you, do you know the names off the top of your head? or you... The Hunt is one. Yeah. Uh, and I've forgotten what the other one is called, but... but uh, I mean, it's it's sort of like ripe for people, you know, yeah. documenting, um, and you can imagine my year was only like just one. There's a whole book worth of other nonsense, and so that's that's what that book is. It's it's a whole book of crazy college stories, but like turned to eleven. Um, nice. One of the cool things about the scav hunt is. Um, it's understood that uh, all the undergrads are going to be crazy for this Wednesday to Monday. And so all the professors, they, they don't really assign homework. Just accept it. They just, yeah, they just sort of like turn a blind eye. And more tellingly, the University of Chicago Police Department, like the Chicago Separate from the Chicago PD, but the 
the the sh- college police, like they are on a very tight wire that whole you know weekend. Like the, anything that's going haywire, as long as nobody's getting hurt, they'll basically make sure that the Chicago PD doesn't come right. and do but anything. We're here, we're here to keep you from killing yourselves, not to and, and, not to and be jerks and yeah. from getting arrested. Yeah, because whatever you're doing is probably illegal. But as long as nobody's getting hurt, it's fun. The CPD doesn't need to know about this, right? And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So, so what happens like, when you go two thousand miles out of jurisdiction? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it gets real, and and people get arrested every year. Like it's it's really insane. I mean, really, completely off the hook. Um, I had my own run in with the police. Um, I was borrowing a semi truck. For a few moments, and <laughs> for a few moments, and the, yeah, you know, maybe there was uh, something that happened, and you know, whatever. But uh, nowadays, you know, it's all been expunged. It's fine, but uh, it's fine. It's, there's it's no fine. record. There's nothing. It's fine, but it's but fuck everything's fine. But but a this scientist. is scientist. I am a scientist. Always, I'm fine. always fine. Exactly. So so you can imagine like that's. That's what's in this book. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what my friends wrote about their experiences because I'm sure that they have different memories of various events. My, my memories might have been clouded. Maybe. Why? Why would <laughs> about they be clouded at things? all? I don't know. But, but yeah, that it was, it was a cool time. And, and the scav hunt is, uh, is a really neat uh, tradition and I'm really glad that it hasn't been squashed. Yeah, I was going to say, you talk 1999, I could imagine a post-9-11 America just going, yeah, guys, no. <laughs> no, it is, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is crazy. Um, so I still do alumni interviews for Chicago. Uh, so each year I probably talk to a dozen or more undergrads who were, sorry, high school seniors who were thinking about going to University of Chicago. And... It only takes one decent Google search to figure out that the person that's interviewing you is the guy from the reactor, blah, blah, blah. And so I would say half of the kids that I interview end up asking me about the reactor stuff. And is that real? And tell me about the scavenger hunt. And tell me tell me about how... Fun goes to die, but you still are able do this to do funnest thing that this I've ever like heard of. <laughs> like this is insane. This is blowing my mind, right? That's that that's pretty much work hard, play hard, right? That's yeah, the... yeah. That that should really be the T-shirt, not where fun comes to die. Work hard, play as hard as you possibly can, and you'll not be die. Fine. You'll and be you'll fine. be fine. Yeah, yeah. Because you're a scientist, maybe, probably, probably. Statistically let's be, speaking, let's be real. you're probably a scientist. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so that gets to the end of the making weapons grade plutonium. Indeed. Um, so, what else we got? T- tell people more interesting stories. We got a we got a little bit more time. Oh. Or in the middle of it, plug what you do, dude. You you are self employed, right? 
Yeah, the yeah. Neil, Neiltronics, man. Yeah. Um, the world so, of science with Fred Neil. Yeah. So what's crazy? Yeah. Thanks. Nixie tube stuff. I yeah. Don't, I don't, so, I don't, so what's <laughs> so the crazy part about about what I do and and honestly our boss Marcel. Um, I'm a physicist. All of my training you, is. You in keep physics. saying that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you sound like somebody else at work, but <laughs> but uh, but but really, I do electrical engineering for a job, which is a little bit weird. But I got started in this track where I'm a physicist, but pretending to be an electrical engineer. I got started in that track. My year between senior in high school and, you know, first year of college, I got, I got, when I graduated from high school, I immediately, uh, two weeks later, moved to uh, Batavia, Illinois, and started working at Fermilab. Um, and that was sort of the real trial by fire. Okay. What Can do you I really do want to do? What do you want to do for a living? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I really want to do power power and RF stuff. And I ended up in that group at Fermilab. And I'm like, all right, this is me. I'm done. And uh, I continued doing that for the rest of, well, for the rest of my life. Here I am, right? I'm still doing it. Um, but it was one of those things where I realized pretty early on that the people that I'm working with um, they're doing cool stuff and this is what I really want to be doing it's not it's not designing uh, you know fluorescent light fixtures right right which That's, you did a lot later I did because <laughs> it paid well but 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 that's you know like that's boring. Right. This is that. That's like the most boring thing you could do. Like a, the uh, the thing you can buy in Home Depot. That's the most boring thing you can possibly build as yeah. an engineer. Yeah. Right. As a, as a life career, like that's that's the boringest, dumbest thing you can do. It might make you money, and it might be kind of cool to see the thing that you designed like on sale on a store like shelf, but. It's soul-sucking. So when I started working at Fermi Lab and doing really cool out there engineering, I realized this is what I should be doing. And that's uh, that's where I've been since. Uh, Probably to the detriment of uh, my earning potential, right? I probably could be making more money doing boring stuff, but... I don't know. I'm having more fun. Now you just consult for all the companies you used to work for and charge a premium. That's also true. Yes, <laughs> I like that. Fred got me into that world, and that's, I love it. That's true. Yeah, I love it. That's true. It's wonderful. So, yeah. let, do you want to talk about uh, about that clock? Oh yeah. So um, let's see. Something I helped make. I That'd know. Be useful. Right. Useful. So back in 2002 or 2003, there was an article in EE Times about uh, Nixie tubes being used for something other than frequency counters from the 60s. And And 
Tell the people real quick what a Nixie tube is. Oh yeah, so so a Nixie tube is a uh, developed by the Burroughs Corporation. Nixie is actually uh, sort of an acronym for Neon Indicator Experimental Number One. N I X I, you know, whatever. Um, and basically, it's just a vacuum tube, right? It's just a vacuum tube, but instead of having, you know, uh, basically a what amounts to a transistor today uh, inside instead it has a little mesh in front that you can see through and that's the anode and then there's 10 cathodes 0 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 and each of those cathodes you can illuminate by grounding them uh, and so it makes a, a really quite pretty neon shadow or not shadow but a neon you know glow of the number that you've grounded so it it's might like be it's like the most geeky super hipster way super retro of making like a retro yeah it's you great know, digital crazy, clock crazy or retro. anything digitally it's it, yeah crazy and it looks retro. incredible it, it's like it's like steampunk vacuum tube yeah to give you some, <laughs> you know yeah to give you some context um Bendix Corporation, they were huge computer manufacturer in the 50s. Bendix realized that printing out the answer to a computer program on a teletype machine on paper, or worse, printing it out on a series of cards, punch cards, was slow and dumb. Like, this is, this is terrible. So they said, you know what we should do? We should really use these brand new things called Nixie tubes from Burroughs. And then we can display our answers immediately. And this is before that any computer was attached to a television or a CRT screen. Right. This is, right. This wow. is, like, this is before that. Visual readback. Immediate. Yeah, the immediate first. All it is is grounding 10 bits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, all, you're doing, all you're doing is displaying numbers, but... But that was revolutionary, uh, particularly in the early 50s up into the mid-60s. And actually, if you look at footage from uh, the Olympics all the way up into the mid-70s, the uh, seconds display, particularly the Winter Olympics when they're timing short things, the seconds display in the bottom right-hand corner, that's actually a green-screened Nixie, Nixie tube. tube display. You shitting me? I'm not. It's that's it's Nixie tubes that ingenious. have been green screened. That's yeah. ingenious. I know, right? That's but, so lo-fi and amazing. All but the same but time. you can totally overlay it over Easy. live video, and it's and it's like bright, boom. bright, bright, and it's tied to the master timing system that they're using to As set no, records. Right? No way and, to bullshit that. Yeah, it's perfect, right? So. So yeah, Nixie tubes are, you know, a very retro technology. All it is is just a display tube. It's no different from an LED display right. on It's just in kick-ass tube. You know, old school calculator. Right, exactly. It's 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 1950s to 1970s. Well, so Nixie tubes are kind of a weird thing because um the Soviet Union um didn't really have great uh, silicon uh, 
development. So, so they didn't really have microchips the way that we had in the West uh, from the 1960s on. They had knockoffs that they would steal or buy on the black market, which is fine, but that meant that internally in the USSR, they couldn't make an LED display that might show the numbers on your calculator in the 80s. Right. Like, they literally could not make them. They did not have the technology. So what did they do instead? Well, they kept using Nixie tubes. Why not? Right? So Nixie tubes were actually still made up until the mid-1990s in the USSR, in ex-Soviet states. Um, so you can still buy Nixie tubes that were made in, like, 1993. And they worked just fine? They're, they worked beautifully. Actually, if you think about it, that's the pinnacle of that technology, yeah. right? They work better than any Nixie tube ever built before it, right? Um, which is weird and sad and, you know, whatever. But but those tubes, you can still buy them and they work great. And Yeah. That's insane. So um, the weird thing about all this is, of course, there was still Nixie tubes being made in the ex-Soviet states up into the mid-90s. As soon as uh, Russia, as it's now known, sort of uh, stopped supporting state-owned industries, all of those companies that were sort of state-owned kind of liquidated, and there was never another Nixie tube made until... Uh, a very enterprising uh, young guy in uh, the Czech Republic uh, started his own company after he finished his master's in engineering um, and bought up a bunch of old equipment and started a company to make brand new Nixie tubes. Fucking gorgeous Nixie tubes. Huge. I mean... These are tubes that back in 1970s bucks were more than $100 in today's money. Right. Each. And he's now selling them and, you know, they're they're gorgeous. I mean, they're beautiful works of art, each one of them. So, um, I, I decided that I should probably start making some clocks out of those tubes. Um this is not my first rodeo. I've made a number of different clocks uh, over the years. Um, and actually, back in 2006, I made a, a, a run of 100 clocks. That's amazing. Uh, he's doing this out of his house, yeah, guys. Using, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just, you know, for shits and giggles. I didn't really think I would be able to sell any of them, but I... I saw a good eBay bid on 800 tubes, ex-Soviet uh, surplus. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to jump on this. See I know I can, I can make some clocks. And I contacted a woodworker, and I'm like, can you make a decent box? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And so I made made a couple of prototypes, made a very web 1.0 web page, right? Did some stupid little videos, and then uh, posted it 
and I contacted a friend of mine and said, hey, you know, I, I'm making these clocks. Do you think you might be willing to, like, advertise it on your blog? And he's like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's fine. And then that was that was at uh, 8.30 in the morning. I sent off this email. 10.30 in the morning, uh, it's uh, number one on Engadget. <laughs> uh, my website suddenly has uh, 800,000 views within two hours and uh, yeah, before the end of the day all 100 clocks are sold mind you I'd only built two of them <laughs> that's awesome and I had three weeks uh, delivery as the uh, you know terms of sale so I had I had to make two clocks. weeks to make a hundred clocks, um, but yeah, I mean Nixie tubes are awesome. They're beautiful, and if you treat them correctly, you know, from an electrical standpoint, they don't really have a, a lifetime, so to speak. Right, they just last forever. Right, it's pretty simple. Yeah, non-mechanical. Yeah, yeah. I built a clock uh, in two thousand and three that's still sitting in my office. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess uh, we got that. We could maybe end with we we alluded to your um, you knowing Tucker Max. Oh shit. <laughs> we might as well give the internet a little bit of that. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do, do, those of you listening, we're now taking a left hand turn from huh. super super nerdy physics talk into the author of I hope they serve beer in hell himself, um, who. Yeah. Uh, I know those books were huge when I was in college. Which the definitive was, book of pickup lines. Yes, which means he was living them when he was in college with you. Correct. Quote unquote. Correct. Um, so, yeah. t- t- tell us a little bit about the uh, uh, so about knowing Tucker Max. Yeah. So Tucker and I uh, started uh, Chicago the same year. So he and I were supposed to be class ninety nine. He actually ended up. Um, I, I think he actually finished a year early they probably wanted to get rid of him yeah probably um but uh he was in matthew's house with me uh our first year and i was on the first floor and tucker was directly across the hall from me (laughs) um and you can imagine if 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 you've ever read anything tucker's ever written you can imagine that there was a fair amount of debauchery and uh, a, a fair stream of people in and out of his room. Revolving door. Yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> dick was a revolving door. Um, you got to say the punchlines in what he wrote were really funny. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he no could, doubt. He could write. No doubt. Strangely. No doubt. And, and you know what? But that, he just seems like a complete you know, waste of human life. That really, that really speaks to the people that end up at University of Chicago. Yeah. They're probably... Talented in some way Very or talented, but they may be... Complete dickbags. Complete dickbags. Yeah. Um, so, Tucker, I, I think he would agree, he was a complete shithead. I mean, that's his calling card, right? Yeah. I mean, he was a horrible person. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, he was across the hall, right? He was, he was an asshole. Um, I remember one time 
actually one time isn't really the real at band camp yeah actually this is pretty frequent um if you were up super late let's say you were awake at two in the morning like we are right now basically tucker would be in his room and he might be playing uh uh what what was the star wars uh oh tie fighter yes no no oh um galaxy well, from 1990, I don't remember shit. I was like, young. Yeah, you were too little, but but uh, there was one. Yeah, one of those. You know, one of those FPS. He was running around Star Wars, whatever. Tucker would often be sitting there, stark naked, <laughs> with his door open. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Keyboard covering his junk. And he's playing the game, right? And these are the very, very early days of online gaming. So, so he might actually be networked to somebody across the campus, right? And talking dirty, you know, to, yeah, while playing, yeah, you know, with whoever it is. He's yeah, good for it's him. It's just you know, like <laughs> he's a pioneer. He's a pioneer. He's right? a pioneer of toxic masculinity. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um. But yeah, I mean that like that's the kind of thing that I remember. But uh, on the flip side, uh, uh, Bethany and I had our uh, uh, first year. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, fancy Reunion? dress up dance. Yeah. The oh, first year it's college. Yeah. In '95, the right? promenade, not promenade. Yeah, um, like social, a, like or a, a prom. Some, yeah. some nonsense, and it was in fall and. Uh, and Bethany had this really, he had a very cute dress that tied up in the back. And uh, uh, I was I was busy getting my own nonsense dressed. So she went across the hall and the only person that was actually there uh, on a Friday night at 7 o'clock, because Tucker very rarely was out, he was usually... Online. Online, yes. The, the, the stories would lead you to believe different. Exactly. Okay, guy, uh, can, guy can create a fable. That's right. That's he what can write. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And I won't take that away from him. So who tied Bethany's dress up? That's amazing. For our first prom? Yeah, it was great. It was... It was great. It was your great. son. <laughs> it, was, it was Tucker. Tucker tied that shit up and... and we still have a picture of Bethany, you know, standing there in the hallway. With Tucker Max with tying her, her shirt up. Yeah, yeah. Actually being like, a gentleman. Wow. wow, look at that. Well, you know, halfway. He was still looking down her dress. But of course he was. Yeah. It's Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Shit bag see, to the end. See, college was interesting. <sighs> I'm sure that you have an infinite number of... Stupid college. Oh yeah. So, so the one other thing before we end this because we've been doing this for a bit. Yeah. And it's late, but it's been really fun. Our scavenger hunt thing. My my other favorite. Oh, yeah. My other favorite thing. Yeah. We did on the scavenger hunt was you had to get three items at a store that bought on their own shouldn't alert anyone, and bought together they should at least say something. Yeah. And get record them reacting. But well, well, let me guess. Duct tape. Uh, black plastic bags. Uh, what's the last one? It's a um, good one. This is good. Uh, KY? 
Yeah, that's good. We had <laughs> so so we had three groups this year. One was Magnum condoms. Oh yeah, which on their own, you know, just you need them. Okay, congrats, the guy. Yeah. Good job. A foot long sausage, and a videotape. Oh, <laughs> which is pretty oh. good. The other another team, <laughs> another team had rope. Yeah. Um, a foot long sausage and a videotape. Yeah, yeah. These were all separate people running around on their own. Yeah, of course. I think my team won, though. Rope, Barbie Halloween costume, videotape. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. But the guy didn't react. The guy didn't react on any of them. That's pretty good. This is terrible. No, it's actually pretty terrible, but we were young. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, if you're you're working in a university, then you're already, like, yeah, yeah, you're dead to the world. So We, We also had things like... There was like a student center that had a second floor. Yeah. You know, like that like looked down over like yeah, a quad yeah, type yeah. area and you had to transport your entire team from the second floor to the first uh-huh. with without like, anybody dying. Yeah, that was always fun. Um <laughs> break into the lunchroom and drink milk out of the milk machines like a cat. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, there was a oh, if I had a dollar. Elevator raves. Oh. Which are fine if they're in the dorm, but even better if they're at the local mall. Like, you get everyone in on it. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. um, Sleepy's. uh, Yeah. Sleepy's bed. um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The thing you bounce on. Trampoline. Trampoline. Yeah, It's funny, uh, particularly on universities where... Shenanigans are... Shenanigate is actually a verb. Shenanigate. Yeah. Is yeah. the act of combination like, that is always an issue. Uh, it seems like the, uh, the the university police are like they're like finely tuned yeah. to this. Let the children be children. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's when I said, "Oh, nuclear reactor! Oh, yeah. that's a great idea! Yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm, let me jump I'm, right in. I'm a little too advanced class for this. I might as well let everyone else catch up with me. <laughs> All right, what what what's on here? Let's see, let's see, let's see. Keg toss. <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay, uh-huh. naked naked lap. All right, no, yeah, no. oh yeah. nuclear reactor. That's oh, safe. Yeah, score. That, I'm, that's I'm not. Gonna, that's not going to trigger anyone. <laughs> uh, and and so 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 uh, sidebar. Four years later, uh, I was uh, getting my first real job after after grad school. And my first real job was with General Dynamics, uh, and I was doing radar stuff. And, of course, I needed a clearance. And <laughs> what do you think shows up? Oh, yeah. So this whole nuclear reactor crap. So, son. <laughs> yeah, oh, just, just oh. Describe to us. Yeah, so so it, it's better than that. Um, I So I was going for a relatively high clearance, so that means that they had to interview my neighbors and stuff. Um, so they had already talked to all my friends and apparently the FBI already sort of had a sketch of an idea of what, what we'd been up to. But in order to do their due diligence, they talked to my neighbors and they're like, Hey, um, are you aware that your neighbor built a, Nuclear reactor, unlicensed, without any government supervision. 
And and you know my neighbors were that like, must have gone well. Yeah, my neighbors are like, "Who are you talking about?" You know, like I don't know what the hell you're, you know. But in the end, are you aware? Yeah, exactly. No, it was <laughs> that your it was, neighbor is a Russian operative. Sound. Yeah, right. I mean, that was that was basically the way that went. And uh, in the end, they all my neighbors were like, "Okay, whatever. It's fine. I don't care." Like, Freddie wouldn't he's hurt fine. anybody. Yeah, exactly. This but, isn't the Burbs. But that's yeah, but but that was that was what they led off with was are you aware? Are you aware that your neighbor is is like a, a nuclear? Nu- sorry, nuclear terrorist. Oh crap! Yeah, this is yeah. post nine eleven. It's nuclear. Yeah, exactly. No, no, nuclear. Nuclear. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, you didn't pronounce it the right way. I said nuclear. <laughs> I pronounced it the way they told me to pronounce it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Potato, potato. It's all horseshit. Anyway, imagine if you did that now. Can you even like grip in your head like what, like what would happen with I, social media and, or, or, and and the news and the way that they are? Oh, think about those. What poor, are your children learning in school? Yeah, think about those poor undergraduates. Now, what's what is completely not insane. not the complete other side of look at how fucking smart our children are like let's right. not go with that yeah. no, <laughs> no, 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 no. let's go with oh yeah this this guy's obviously an anarchist who's gonna, and, who's going to blow up the to blow up the world and the thing that's complete horseshit is the experiment that we were replicating is what is they teach you a standard undergraduate physics you, you just you just took it to the practical applied level that is exactly what we did yeah. right it's amazing. And it wasn't even like all that exciting. It wasn't all that hard. I but mean, it's but it's just so cool. But it ends up as number 3 in popular science, right? I mean, well, because, you it's know, it's cool, but when 22-year-old kids make a nuclear reactor, that's pretty cool. Or however old you are. 20. Work. Yeah. 20. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up. That that I agree. That was pretty cool that we were able to pull that off. You just did it very legit. Like when you when you really when you really boil down to it, there's no like aside from the fact that people think nuclear is unsafe. Right. There's nothing you did the measurements right. You did yeah. the, you abated it correctly. At the end of the day, you know what we did? We did an undergraduate physics experiment in our dorm room. Except it happened to be with thorium instead of copper. Which means it produced real things. Which means Well, it real, real things. Made but. Slightly scary real things. That's it. Which, at a mass-produced level, could potentially be scary. In, like, a thousand years, yes. Yes. <laughs> this is the worst way to make enriched uranium. So, I think... Yeah? That this worked out well. I think this is a good idea. Cheers. Cheers to you, sir. Oh, Fred. Wait, I, wait. You don't have anything to cheers with? Beer? No, it's right over here. Here we go. All right. Ah. Cheers, sir. Cheers, sir. Thank you for being on the first episode. This podcast ended more times than The Return of the King, mm. which is fine. Oh, but um, do you have anything you want to plug, talk about, tell people about besides the book? Actually, yes. All right. Uh, I have got uh, a brand new Nixie tube clock coming out using gigantic tubes uh, from a new manufacturer who's remanufacturing copies of West German tubes from the 70s. And they're very beautiful. And they're huge. So, yeah. I'm working on that. That's kind of cool. 
and we'll, they'll be able to see that when it's eventually being yeah, made you know, on your website. One of, these, one of these days. No, I'm, I'm just wondering, is that Neiltronics or is that the you know, World I, of Science with Fred or is it, <laughs> you know, um, great PapalNipSlip.com? <laughs> Nipslip. Uh, yeah, good question. I don't really even know yet. All right. Well, I'll make sure I update you guys with that because I actually designed part of it. <laughs> yes, you did. Because I'm an engineer, <laughs> despite what they tell me. Um, so as always, you know, with me, I'm at the Chippa on Twitter. Um, the Chippa made this on YouTube. Um, this is yet another one of my podcasts. I've got the Talkbuster podcast, which is my remembering Blockbuster in the world when we used to have video stores. Um, <laughs> the most recent episode of that you can find is about a guy that worked in a porn store. That worked out really well, so I'm trying to branch out a little bit. Fred's actually a fan, so that's really cool. <laughs> I have the Chipman Brothers Tangent, which is my podcast similar to how this one runs, but with my brother, who you all know and love, Movie Bob. Um, and I also have Creating Geeks with my wife, where we talk about being geeks and bringing up our kids and sharing all the cool stuff from our childhood, not teaching them how to build nuclear reactors yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, and that's about that. So thank you all for shooting the shit with Chippa tonight. And Fred, cheers to you. Cheers. All right. And Sarah's asleep because she's a mom and it's really late.